Yo, what's happening, everybody? My name is Anthony Carrenti, and thank you, as always, for checking out another episode of the Dynasty Drive. I appreciate the support, as always. Been gone for a couple weeks, so good to get uh, back behind the mic and record another episode of the show. Uh, apologize for any delay in getting some new content out there, but had some stuff come up that had to get taken care of. So we're back, and what better time of thing, or what better thing to do at this time of year than start breaking down, guys? that we think are going to uh, be part of this 2022 rookie class that's headed to the NFL next year from college football. So college football season is winding down. The NFL season is about halfway through. There's always stuff we could talk about from, you know, a current player perspective for dynasty purposes, but this is the time of year where I really start to get jazzed up about people that could be coming in as part of next year's rookie class. So you know, I'm excited about these guys year long, especially if you're a fan of college or if you play Debbie or anything like that, Campus to Canton or just college fantasy football. But Dynasty is my preferred format. And this is the time of year where I think a lot of people start getting hyped up about people that might be coming into the league next year. So what we're going to do for, um, you know, the next foreseeable future, we'll mix it up a little bit, but I'm going to start getting into more of these kind of prospect spotlights or player profiles, just some thoughts about players uh, that, are likely to declare or our seniors and, you know, we'll be headed to the NFL draft regardless. Before we get into the first one that I have lined up for today, just a reminder, if you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the podcast. If you haven't, or if this is your first time listening, I appreciate you checking it out. And uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at dynasty drive. You can like the show on Facebook, follow on Instagram at the dynasty drive. We'll be back on a regular schedule, new episodes every Friday, and you can check out most of my written content over with the NFL Draft Bible at si.com forward slash NFL forward slash draft. So I want to kick things off with the running back position today. Running backs are someplace where, even though from a fundamental standpoint, I want my team in dynasty leagues to be built around young wide receivers, there's just something about the running back position, right? It's like that throwback fantasy football goodness. You know, you want a, a running back that you feel good about to to lead you to the promised land and contend for a championship. So I put out a a Twitter poll, uh, I guess about a week ago towards the tail end of last week, breaking down or asking who we should talk about first, Brees Hall, Isaiah Spiller, or Kenneth Walker III. The results came in. It was pretty close, but Isaiah Spiller edged it out. So that's where we're going to start today. Isaiah Spiller, the running back from Texas A&M. Now, just kind of a precursor to how we'll get through some of this stuff. I'm not going to act like anybody listening or checking this out is a diehard college fan. Uh, so some of this stuff might be pretty entry level or, you know, uh, not too far below the surface. If you're familiar with Spiller or any of these prospects that we'll talk about for the remainder of season and off season, but don't want anybody to feel left out. Some people are slower to, you know, don't aren't as big as college fans. They're primarily NFL fans and not as in tune with the rookies. So uh, I apologize if any of this is stuff that you're already familiar with, but Hopefully we can provide some insight that is valuable to everybody. So Isaiah Spiller is a junior running back from Texas A&M. He's listed at six foot one and 215 pounds. Just some of the accolades he had in 2019 uh, was named to the SEC all freshman team in 2020 was a Doak Walker award semifinalist. And in 2020 was also all SEC first team. So this is a guy that's been producing for years already, right? Quick rundown of the stats in his freshman season appeared in 13 games, had 174 attempts, just under 1,000 yards, 946 yards. It's good for 5.4 yards per carry and 10 touchdowns on the ground. He did chip in 29 catches, 203 yards, 
no scores though. He had uh, so just over 1,100 yards from scrimmage in his freshman season. Sophomore season, weird COVID year, right? 10 games he appeared in, 188 attempts, 1,036 on the ground, five and a half yards per carry, so still like the efficiency there, nine touchdowns on the ground. Another 20 catches for just under 200 yards, 193 yards through the air. Again, no receiving touchdowns, good for just over 1,200 yards from scrimmage. Now, at this point, his current junior season, right? He's played nine games to date. I'm recording this on Thursday, November 11th. It'll be out on Friday the 12th. So he's appeared in nine games to date, has 144 attempts so far, 873, good for just over six yards per carry, 6.1 yards per carry, and five touchdowns on the ground. And again, 22 catches, 182 yards for one touchdown, and just over 1,000 yards from scrimmage so far. So 1,055 uh, to date this season. Over 1,000 yards from scrimmage each year of his college career, and at least some decent utilization in the passing game freshman year, sophomore season, and his current junior season as well. So some of the pros that I think uh, Isaiah Spiller has in his game. He's a thick, powerful runner. He uses his physicality to his advantage in a big way. Uh, I think when you watch the tape, he shows pretty good contact balance and falls forward often for extra yards. He doesn't miss out on that a lot. He's always kind of falling forward, picking up that last extra yard or two that's available to him. He had really good production as a freshman, uh, and that's carried him on through multiple seasons. And I know uh, the folks who are better in tune with the analytics side of things always love that early breakout age. Well, he broke out early, all right, and he's kind of kept it going through them. I think um, when you watch him on tape, he shows off some pretty top-tier vision and some nice patience behind the line of scrimmage as well. He's got crafty footwork both behind the line of scrimmage and has a really nice jump cut sort of move in the open field to make defenders miss at the second level. But where he really thrives, where he shines, and where he'll you know make the, the majority of his success is as an inside runner. He is tough. He has excellent toughness, and he's got a nose for the end zone. I hate to you know pigeonhole a guy, and not pigeonholing him, but he, great in short yardage, great at the goal line. He's going to get into the end zone as a professional running back for sure. And one of the biggest pros for me, even though it's not something that we'll get fantasy points for right away, is he is willing and capable blocker in pass protection. So, of course, you're not going to get points for when he's out there pass, uh, pass protecting, but what it will do is help keep him on the field as a young running back. Couple that with the fact that he's at least got some experience as a receiver already, and there's reason for me to get excited about the fact of him being able to keep pretty close to a true three-down role at the next level the cons or the negatives on him the biggest question i think will come regarding his long speed uh combine pro day performances all that stuff will be big for him in terms of his draft stock he looks like a guy when you see him on tape i'd expect him to run kind of mid to high four fives at the combine and people will freak out about that the same way they always do when a you know a bigger back only runs in the four fives but I think he's got enough in terms of short area burst and long speed to succeed in the NFL. He's not going to be maybe that consistent sort of home run threat that some teams crave, but there's enough speed to get it done on a consistent basis. Can he? The other question to me is, can he show growth as a receiver? I think this is a pretty substantial question for a lot of young running backs. Um, they just don't necessarily get featured as a receiver or in the uh, receiving game in college that 
you know, you'd hope to project some of these guys to at the pros that are going to be fairly high draft picks. It's a positive to me, at least, that he's at least had a mild utilization in the receiving game throughout three years in college. And I think the the bright side of this is he should be good enough in pass pro, even as a rookie, that he'll be able to stay on the field and hopefully earn those uh, additional receiving opportunities early on in his career. So uh, the fact that he is pretty capable in pass protection makes me feel good about him at least getting a shot to develop there. So some, kind of some conclusions, projections, wrapping it up about Spiller, and uh, we'll go on from there. I think Isaiah Spiller is a player that I grew more fond of, honestly, than I initially expected to after watching him a little more closely. Uh, I think what he does from a positive standpoint outweighs any questions regarding his long speed. And I think he's fast enough, like I already said, to threaten defenses enough if he gets to the edge. Uh, no one's ever going to mistake him for a guy like Chris Johnson or any of these you know, elite burners, but we all know not all running backs are made in that same mold, right? His physicality and vision as an inside runner really pop off the screen when you watch him to me, and he's built to withstand NFL workloads and should be given ample opportunity in his rookie season. In terms of landing spot, I've mentioned before, but if the Arizona Cardinals opted to move on from the timeshare of Chase Edmonds and James Conner, I know Edmonds has the high ankle thing, and Conner has had a nose for the end zone this year, but Isaiah Spiller would be really interesting uh, in terms of scheme fit there for me. They feel like a team that you know has a, an explosive offense that's heading in the right direction, and I've been saying for a, a couple months now that they're a team I think could convince themselves they're that one borderline elite running back away from that being the one missing piece. Um, we're a long way from solidifying any 2022 rookie rankings, and Spiller is someone who would have been probably my running back two for this class coming into the season. Uh, but after watching him a little closer, he definitely has me feeling a little more optimistic. It'll be a tight race for running back one. I would have uh, conceded that to Brees Hall, but I think Spiller has a real shot to outpace Hall at this point for me and end up my running back one, which is kind of surprising. Comparing to last year's group of running backs, I'd have Spiller behind guys like Najee Harris and Travis Etienne fairly easily uh, and likely just behind Javante Williams. Though the gap between Javante Williams and Isaiah Spiller is more narrow than I would have thought initially coming into the 2021 season. In terms of projection, if Spiller does declare for the 2022 NFL draft, which I feel like is fairly likely, I'd expect him to be an early day two pick in the NFL draft and lock himself into mid-round mid one rookie draft capital, depending on format, uh, whether it's single quarterback or super flex. Should he land in a spot that gets him immediate opportunity, I think the talent that he has would lead me to projecting him out to be like a mid-range running back two in all likelihood. Uh, again, super early, long way to go, a lot of stuff to happen. He's still got to declare once the season's over, but those are just some thoughts about Isaiah Spiller, and we'll keep it rolling. Um, next week, we'll do Brees Hall. Week after that, we'll do Kenneth Walker, um, and we'll start with those three guys, and then, hey, we'll put it out to a poll again, if nothing else, and keep rolling through there. So uh, that's my kind of large kind of scale views about Isaiah Spiller, the running back from Texas A&M. It was joined again. I got back on track with doing some picks with good friend of the show, Peter Trainer this week. So Pete joined me at halftime of the Ravens and Dolphins game to give some picks on uh, four or five games that he had picked out over there. So we're going to get into that conversation with Pete and we'll be back on the other side to wrap things up. 
All right. It's been a couple weeks. We've had some stuff come up, but we're back. Pete Trana joining me at halftime of this Thursday night football game, Ravens, Dolphins, that everybody expected the Ravens to be running away with. But uh, it's a gross one. Pete, what's going on? It's a freaking snooze fest over here, man. <laughs> uh, not too much, man. I've been, uh, you know, I've been missing this, but I'm happy to be back and I'm excited. And uh, I think we got five winners for the, the crew. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, let's get right into it. First game that we have here, Jacksonville Jaguars, the hot Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> Don't let the Jaguars get hot is what the people have said. Jags at Colts. What do we think about this one? I'm going to do my, my shot con mustache here real quick. <laughs> um, <laughs> so no, so we got a uh, Wentz is kind of a wild card, right? You know, he's, he's, he's mostly played well besides a couple of, terrible throws that you know everybody pretty much replays in their minds uh but michael pittman jr is a problem jonathan taylor is a problem and he minds i mean him and taylor is an elite backfield the the colts offensive line again healthy now i like the colts offense the jags they're probably feeling themselves a bit coming off a huge win which they shut down you know a, a potential super bowl favorite you know at least prior to last week um uh, combined, these teams give up 50 points per game. They uh, per game. They both rank at the bottom third in pass defense, and uh, both defenses are better against the rush. I think they they're ranking the top 15 in, the, in that stat, um, and, which leads to a, a game state that favors an over. Uh, the Jets, Anthony, I love you. I love the Jets. Their third string quarterback was able to score on the Colts pretty easily, and it wasn't just garbage. It was garbage time. I mean, it was. He was able to go up and down the field pretty good. So uh, it's in a dome. I, I'm all about this over 47 and a half uh, final score, 28, 21 Colts. What do you think? I think the Colts uh, are a good team that'll roll a little bit. And I think garbage time will help the Jags. <laughs> um, I don't think, I don't know if it'll end up being a real close game, but I think the Jags will do enough late to get the over to hit. Um, yeah, Lawrence has been sneaky okay. Not yeah. great. Okay. Well, nobody's great with Urban at the helm. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think that Indy probably gets out to an early lead on the back of Taylor and Pittman. Uh, I love both of them. And um, yeah, uh, garbage time matters for these. So I think Jacksonville can do enough down the stretch to make the game look closer than it did initially and get the over to hit. Great. All right, Cleveland at New England. All right, this is uh, this is another overlook, which is probably not going to be popular. Um, the Baker Revenge Tour keeps rolling on into Foxborough here. They got a uh, probably one of the more important and exciting games of the week in terms of uh, playoff implications. I I feel like you know it's, it's not going to be popular play, but uh, the line has actually moved with me. I think it was forty. Four and a half at the open. Now it's 46 in some books. Um, and most people are going to have the desire to play under here, and that's fair. I understand that. Two teams, they love to run the ball. They like to play slow. Uh, and, you know, they're both are above average defenses. The Browns rank uh, third in rush yards per game, and New England ranked, ranks 14th. Uh, I still think this is, the total is a bit too low. The, the Browns, for some reason, I hate to go with the narrative, they play better without OBJ. I don't know why. It's just true. I think this team is its they're ready to show out and score some points. I just need one team to score into the high 20s. 
So the line is tight, and I think it's going to be a close competitive game. I could even see this game going into overtime, so getting me that cheap cover. Uh, I'm taking over 45, and I like it 25-24 Browns. Yeah, I like the under. I do. I think yeah. this one's going to be gross. I think it's gro- not gross in like a a disappointing way. I can just see a lot of defense and a lot of running the ball and it being probably like a more compelling game to watch than like the stats or the end box score shows. Um, but you're right. You only need one team to get into the high twenties to make it work. Um, so I would probably lean on the side of the under, but I don't hate the reasoning at all. Like it's, there's definitely a scenario where, where the over is in play. Yeah. I mean, it's totally fair. The under, like I said, two two teams who want to run the ball, they want to establish a run. They're good defenses, so I could see this going under too. But my numbers cranked out. Well, I think yeah, forty nine, and uh, I I agree with that too. So I can't wait to talk about this next one: <laughs> <laughs> New Orleans Saints at the Tennessee Titans. Anthony, this is a trap <laughs> game right here, right? Vegas knows. Vegas, Vegas knows. knows. <laughs> So the Saints are obviously without their starting quarterback and possibly Kamara, which which hurts hurts a lot in terms of my fantasy teams. Uh, and the Titans are just beating the crap out of everybody, uh, apparently, without Derrick Henry. Uh, the Titans have beat Kansas City. They beat Buffalo, and they beat the Rams. There's no denying that something is there, right? With that being said, the Titans are overvalued here. Um, I think they're overvalued by the betting public. Uh, and honestly, this line... I think it's two and a half now. That 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 seems like oh, this is a trap. This this should be like seven, you know, whatever. Uh, the way that they won last week against the Rams, it's not sustainable. Um, they had a couple gift turnovers from Stafford, and they didn't. I think I think um, I think Tannehill only had like a hundred some yards uh, offense. The Saints are an elite defense, and they do have the pieces to shut down this offense. I could see Lattimore completely shutting down A.J. Brown, which despite what everybody else thinks, I think he's the key cog in this offense. Um, you know, they do not perform the same when he was out. I think he was injured the first couple of games, and they, were, they, were, you know, they weren't as good. My logic here is that the Saints are coached well. Uh, they can scheme with Simeon and Hill. I also don't think the Titans' defense is that good, uh, you know, as good as they're advertised. I only power rank these teams less than a half a point apart. So... I saw the number was two and a half. Whenever it's less than three, I'll take the money line. So I think this is a perfect sell high spot for the Titans. I don't think the Titans are bad. I just, I could see them having a little bit of a down performance. I'm on the Saints money line, 24-22 Saints. It's bold, but I don't hate it. I don't hate it because it feels like a game where Sean Payton kind of reminds everybody, like, hey, I was... I was Sean McVay before Sean McVay. Exactly. Like I, was, I was the smartest guy in the room before everybody else got to the room. Um, so I could definitely, like you said, see him scheming up some wild stuff with Simeon and Taysom Hills out there. And just, you know, I, I trust Peyton as a play caller and as a someone to scheme an offense to kind of mask deficiencies. Like we saw it even when Winston was out there, like, there was how many games where it's like, okay, the passing yardage was super low, but he's throwing three, four, five touchdowns at a clip. Like, I believe in them to scheme that offense. It hurts if, you know, Kamara can't go, but, you know, Ingram's back in town. But you get the Adrian Peterson revenge game, right? Adrian <laughs> Peterson fresh with the Titans. 
gets his revenge on his former team, the New Orleans Saints. I, I would actually argue that the more that they give Adrian Peterson the ball, the more it favors the Saints. Yeah. Please give him 15 touches for <laughs> 20 yards. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's probably the most um, – people would probably say it's the most bold one out of these five, but I don't hate it at all. I don't yeah. hate it at all. All right, Carolina, Arizona. Seems like we won't get Cam. We'll get PJ Tucker season for at least a week. It'll be short lived, but this might be the most bold one of the week. I don't know. <laughs> this is PJ Walker versus Colt McCoy, possibly. Uh, I didn't want to bet this game uh, simply because I don't want to watch this game. But here we are. Um, I think much like the Titans, uh, I think this is a good sell high spot with Arizona again much like the Titans last week, the way that they won with Colton Coy is not sustainable. His EPA was not great. Um, even if Kyler Murray's back, he's not 100%, and Hopkins not 100%. Uh, Captain America, J.J. Watt, not there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, and the Panthers, they have addition by subtraction with Sam Darnold going on IR. Uh, I hate to say it. I you know used to love Sam, but he's just terrible. Um, PJ Walker is he is what he is, but he, listen, he's mobile. We were talking about earlier, he's mobile, he's got a decent arm. There's not a lot of tape on him. I think that they could do some things with CMC and you know, those plethora of wide receivers that they have. You know, they can get something going that, um, listen, they're not going to win this game, but 10 and a half points is a lot of points. And if Kyler Murray is not playing, I love this even more, but I still love this without Kyler Murray. So I'm seeing 24 2018. Cardinals, give me the dog. Ten and a half points is a lot in the NFL, man. I think that is hitting the nail on the head, right? Ten and a half points is a lot of points for. I know Arizona is good, but just like we said about the Jacksonville and uh, Jacksonville Colts game, like the end game matters, garbage time matters, it and does. I do think that not to pile on Sam. Sam, I'm sorry that uh, it didn't work out. I'll miss you forever, but uh, <laughs> you know. See what the Panthers can cook up without him. He has not been good. So maybe uh, you know something fresh gets them going a little bit. But, yeah, I agree with you. Ten and a half points is it's a lot of points. And uh, let's wrap things up. Kansas City Chiefs. We got a division game here. Kansas City Chiefs and the Raiders. <sighs> Anthony, I have an addiction. To the, to the Chiefs? To the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> It's they've been my one weakness this season. It's it's my belief in the camp, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. I've I've probably lost more money on this team than than any team this year. Um, and I cannot accept that this team is bad. Yes, their defense is suspect, but they're getting healthier. Maybe uh, they could hide Sorensen somewhere. I don't know. Put him hand give him you know some water bottles to hand out. But uh, Casey has absolutely owned the Raiders, uh, especially last year. A lot of the pundits are saying the book is out on Mahomes. You know, you play cover two. We were talking about it before the stream. You know, it's two high safeties, force Mahomes to check down or run the ball. Andy Reid hates running the ball. He would rather die. Um, the problem is, is that the Raiders don't use cover two. Uh, Gus Bradley is notoriously – he uses cover three and cover one. I think – I was listening to somebody else. And he said, like, he's uh, at 100 snaps oh, – I forgot what the number was. But basically, they've only used cover two in, like, 12 snaps, which is – Obviously not a lot. Mm -hmm. um, the only thing I am worried about is that uh, the Raiders can generate the, the rush, uh, you know, a good pass rush without blitzing. 
with that being said, I'm, I'm going to stick with my numbers here, and I'm taking the Chiefs two and a half. I think this is, you know, maybe they'll start to come back to life here. I'm seeing a final score of 28 to 24. Please, please don't take any more of my money and just win this freaking game. Just bet the Chiefs every week for the rest of the season and see where it ends up. <laughs> Yeah, it's fair. I hate to say, I hate it's, it's like a, such a cop out answer all the time. Like they're due, or like it's a get right spot. But I don't think Mahomes is all of a sudden bad. Um, and I think defensive scheme wise, you make a great point. Like they don't seem like they'll play a lot of that too high look. Um, you know, if they're smart, maybe they'll try it. But coaches are stubborn and tend to stick with their scheme and think that they know best. So uh, I think Kansas City can kind of get back on the right side of things in a tight division game here. I think that. Um, Two and a half is about red. I could see them winning, you know, a close one, but I'll take the Chiefs. So halftime's about to be up. So real quick, we got the over 47 and a half in Jaguars, Colts, over 45 in Browns, Pats, Saints, money line, Panthers plus 10 and a half, Chiefs minus two and a half. Pete, I appreciate you for joining us. Anthony, thanks for having me. And wow, this is a perfect time. We're kicking off right now. Look at Let's that. Do it, baby. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah, and take care. <laughs> thanks again to Pete for taking the time to join me and give his thoughts on some picks for this week's slate of games. As always, I appreciate everybody listening to the show. Like I mentioned at the beginning, we'll be back next week with another prospect spotlight. We'll talk Brees Hall on next week's episode. Keep things running with running. (laughs) Keep things running with running backs. No pun intended. Keep things rolling with running backs, I guess, might work a little bit better uh, for the time being. So I appreciate the support. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at Dynasty Drive. We'll be back next Friday with another new episode of the show. We'll talk to you guys then. Thanks. Thanks.